Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention, along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with... Shall we begin? Why not? Welcome to Frankie Sense and More. It's like she's got a whole lot of goodness for you with a little bit of sass. Frankie, did you just say... She sure did. Not to mention... <laughs> along with... Whoops. Join us now as Frankie Picasso and her new co-host mix it up with authors, musicians, and interviews with world-changing people. Let's begin Okay, let's begin now, because it only makes sense. Well, hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More. My pleasure to have all of you joining us today, and I'm really, really excited about today's show. And before I introduce you to our guest, um, we have a bit of news. So Fred is always going to tell you the good news story, but I have some good news too, so I'm going to, you know, just kick it off here. Fred, this week I was invited to be a speaker at the Women's Economic Forum. And also I was advised, um, I get, I'm getting all these hits here. I'm sorry, what are you, what are you saying, Karina, to me? I'm sorry, folks. And I was also asked to join their Economic Council, which is like so cool. So uh, the event takes, takes place in May 2017. The founder is Dr. Harbina Rora, and she's the Chancellor of Rai University in India. And I had a chance and pleasure to speak to her this week. And my goodness, her energy is infectious. The WEF runs over six days. It's at the Pullman Aero City, New Delhi, India, where 2,000 women and men from 150 countries are expected to join, making it the largest diverse global event of its kind. I'm so excited. Uh, the live feed is going to go out to thousands of individuals around the world and the overall theme for it this year is creating, innovating, understanding, and driving the future. My topic is going to be social good and philanthropy, the art of giving more than money. And I'm just thrilled that we're going to be there. So, uh, sorry, we're not going to do video because it wrecks our sound. Sorry, David. Fred, right. is Fred here yet or no? No? Okay. Well, we're still trying to get, get my co-host, Fred. Uh, he's question mark here. So sorry, everybody. Uh, yes, we are. Hold on. Uh, this is live radio, and it always happens. Yeah, that's what live radio is all about. <laughs> I know. So Fred is, Fred is on Skype somewhere going, nobody has contacted me, and Karina has been calling you. So, Karina, why don't you try them again, and we'll see if we can't pick Fred up. Meanwhile, we're going to hold that good news story until he gets here, and I'm going to introduce you to our wonderful guest. David W. Berner, not to be confused with the other David Berner, uh, is an award-winning author of three memoirs, a novel, Accidental Lessons, Any Road Will Take You There. There's a hamster in the dashboard, and also uh, Night Radio, and this is his non no, I'm sorry. The others were his non-fiction stories, and this is his 
first narrative fiction story. I keep hearing all these beeps. And uh, we're very excited that he's here to talk about his latest book, uh, which is Night Radio, a love story. He is a broadcast journalist, a radio reporter, news anchor for CBS Radio. He teaches writing and radio uh, radio documentary at Columbia College in Chicago. And we are very, very happy to have him here. And it looks like we might have Fred. Are you there, Freddie? Yes. Hi. Hello. Hi. Well, let me first welcome our David. Welcome. Thank you very much. I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. Hi, David. Hello, Fred. What we (laughs) normally do, David, is we like to have a positive story that we align with the United Nations Global Goals because it's very important to me. So Fred um, has taken on the role to to give us our good news story, and then we'll come back to you if that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah, let's hear the story. Okay. Frederick. <laughs> yeah, uh, today we, uh, we I found an interesting story, and one that I love, actually. It's Costa Rica has been running on 100% renewable energy for two months straight. And uh, it ran on 100% renewable energy for 76 straight days between June and August of this year. And, you know, it demonstrates that life without fossil fuels is possible. Uh, you know, of course, Costa Rica is, you know, it's a small country, so uh, it's, it's better used in, in those types of countries. Um, but uh, it's been, the, the country has been powered on a mix of hydro, geothermal, wind, and so- solar energy with hydropower providing about 80.27% of the total electricity in the month of August. So I think that's a fun, you know, they didn't use, they didn't use burning oil, didn't, uh, coal or natural gas. And uh, it's, it's just a fascinating story to me. And it's, it's that's cool. awesome. I, yeah, that's yeah. really cool. And that goes, that goes with global goal number seven. If anybody's, you know, wants yep. to look up the global goals, you can go to globalgoals.org and check those out. And so that's wonderful. Thank you so much for that. David, uh, wow! Let's yes. let, let's meet our friend David. <laughs> David you're, Berner. You're, you're my best friends now. Yes, so. we are. <laughs> we are. Um, wow! You you won a golden dragonfly for accidental lessons, uh, mm-hmm. grand prize for literature. That's very exciting. Uh, 2013 book of the year for any road will take you there. Right, Chicago Writers Association. Yes. Yes, which is very exciting, and. What else did you do here? Uh, <laughs> uh, so many awards. I st- book I award in 2015. So There's awards. a hamster in the dashboard for, for, for his little animal book, which is so cute. A uh, collection of essays, which I think is just wonderful. And, you know, I have to say that you probably didn't think I would get through your book last night, but I did. I read the well, whole I know. thing. We got you a copy kind of quickly. Um, but did. Uh, I appreciate that. Yeah. And I loved, loved that book i really did that, and i have good. to i have to hear more about why you loved it because i need love but, okay um, but, night radio <laughs> a love story it was a love story a love story to rock and roll a love story about love wondering what love is and i think um just reading the descriptions of your other books i think there's a whole lot of david in that fictional book well you know it's I, i've said this before the book is truly fiction however there isn't a fiction writer in the world uh, uh, worth his, you know, stuff here or her stuff. If if he's telling people that uh, his fiction books are don't have a little bit of him or her in them, I think that's impossible to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yes, there are elements that are 
experiential in there that are close to reality. Um, but I want to be clear, so I don't have any libel lawsuits. Um, there, there, nothing in there is truly true. But uh, there's some stuff that's experientially close. Okay, so uh, you, you went to, you came from Pittsburgh? I did. I grew up there. Right. Okay. And, and so did young Jake. Yes, Jake did. In the book, Jake did. And I, you, I, I'm sure you were an intern somewhere. I was. Now, there was a scene at the beginning of the book, which, um, you know, I don't want to give it totally away, but it's a, right. it's a scene where um, some workers at a, at a radio station. Um, Pull a hijinks. Per, a little hijinks. Uh, purposely stripped down the news director um, uh-huh. uh, while he's on the air. And um, that actually did happen. <laughs> I uh, knew that happened. <laughs> that wasn't That's quite as provocative. <laughs> it wasn't as quite as provocative as it, as it is in the book, but it was close. Oh and God. I was the intern who witnessed some of this. So part of that is true. Yes. And did it happen <laughs> to you too? Uh, it did not. So okay. um, you know, well, that I was, was wishful thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a little bit of an element in the story where it happens to Jake, the protagonist, and the character, uh, to some extent. Yeah, but no, that did not. Um, maybe that was wistful thinking to me, uh, but um, it was. Uh, it, it helped to develop the character of Jake, um, to show him to show a little bit of his, um, uh, you know, his his conflict uh, between what really is love and what really is just titillation and lust, um, and his you know sort of that eighteen nineteen year old boy kind of feeling trying to figure it all out. So, and did you learn something, oh, Ryan? Did you learn something writing about it? When you write, you know, something that's close to your real life, <laughs> it kind of, it, it makes you reflect a little bit sometimes. Did you reflect on, on oh, you know, there's these? No, there's no doubt. You know, there's a um, one of my favorite nonfiction writers, Joan Didion, said one time that um, she writes to find out what she's thinking. And I love that because I think that's, you know, I don't want to equate myself with Joan Didion, but I, I think that. There is an element to that. You know, people ask me if I write, you know, outlines and things like that. Not really. I kind of just write and find out where it's going to go. It's a, it's at least with fiction. With nonfiction, mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a kind of a bullet list maybe. But with fiction, I kind of know where it's going generally. But I, I really – I know this sounds kind of zen-like or something. But, you know, deep inside, I really feel that the story is already there. I just mm-hmm. have to find out how to get it out. Oh, Yeah. So that, that's kind of the process. Yeah, so the reflective part uh, really comes. I had an interview one time where somebody you know, asked me if I was truly writing about the conflict that maybe I had or anybody at the age of 20 might have, especially male, uh, about what is love. You know, what am I really dealing with here? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I, and I think to some extent, you know, there was a little reflection on that. But I, I think that's a, a, a very human, a very um, young man uh, uh, process that he has to go through uh, at, at that age. Um, you have sons. How many? Yeah. So I think that's true. I did reflect. I did. I did reflect. I, and I even, you know, I look back at my own my radio career too, uh, and to some extent through all that. So yeah, very much. Wow. So. You have a son or sons? I have two sons. Yeah. You have two I, sons. I, yes, they're uh, in their twenties. Mm-hmm. They're in their twenties, and so when you went on that road trip, because I'm sorry, I haven't read the book, but I'm definitely going to. Um, did you have discussions about what is love? Oh my goodness, we we discussed everything. Um, you're you're of course talking about any road will take you there, which was mm-hmm. uh, a, a, it's a story. It's true. It's a memoir about a a fiction, not a fictional, a um, a true um, 
road trip, 5,000-mile road trip that we took uh, that was purposeful. It came after a uh, revelation about my uh, father and his father. And I started to... Um, I started to sort of re-examine. I'm like, well, you know, is the DNA in me? Am I going to screw up too? Um, <laughs> so, uh, it, it, and I started to reflect about what, you know, what that was all about and what fatherhood really was to me or anybody. And the trip uh, came at a time where, you know, it was a very transitional part of my life. So it came at a good time. And uh, David, so, I'm going to have to stop you. We're going to go to a commercial break in just a moment. But when we come back, I'm going to ask you about that revelation, I hope. Sure. <laughs> you can Absolutely. answer that for us. Okay. Uh, Don't go anywhere. Stay, stick around. Stay tuned. We are coming right back with David W. Burner and Fred Bye. He's hey. here, too. <laughs> we'll be right back with Frankie Simpson more. Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. The League of Women Voters reminds you that on Election Day, we are all equal. Please join your friends and neighbors by registering to vote and going to the polls November 8th. Visit www.vote411.org to find out who will be on your ballot and how the voting process works in your community. This election is about our future, and we all need to weigh in. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. At any given time, millions of Americans are on a diet and on a quest to lose weight. Discovery Health says that the only way to lose fat is to consume fewer calories per day than your body needs. For every 3,500 calories that your body takes from its fat reserves, you lose one pound. You can create that deficit by monitoring and restricting your intake of calories alone. But I believe that the best approach is to exercise and cut back on your calories. By upping your daily exercise and scaling back on your consumption of calories, you are giving yourself a healthy balance that will pay off great dividends. So be sure to add daily exercise to your quest to lose weight. Health, well-being, and a slim body awaits you. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Frankie Picasso. My co-host is Frederick Bai. And Hello. guest today is David Berner. And David, you yes. mentioned that you were on a road trip with your two boys. It was uh, what, what, what your book, Any Road Will Take You There, which I'm assuming was part of, from George Harrison. Actually, that's where the name came from, George Harrison's song. Yes, that's correct. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And, and can I ask you, are, are you like, were you born in the 50s? He, I was born in ni- 1956. Oh, okay. Same, same year as my husband. Yeah. I was born in 57. And, you know, I was going to ask you another question, but I am going to say this because you did mention it in the book. And, and it came up and I thought, yeah, you know, you, the guys were hanging around later on in life. And, and you know, was was that the greatest era? You know, were the 60s? Should you have been born in the 60s or should you have been born, you know, uh 
you know, been alive and, and really up and running would you have been, you know, gone to Woodstock or, or you know, in the, yeah. in the 50s like we were. And I just have to say, for me, I think that I was so glad to be growing up in the 70s because we had the best music ever. Ever. <laughs> Why? Why? You didn't have you didn't have Michael Jackson as a solo artist? No, no. How we had the best was- is I I think that any I think that in our formative years, our coming of age years, all the music sounds good to us. That's our music, you know. So whatever era that was just tends to be the era. Um not to say that I don't listen to some great music now, but um and but you know, that late sixties, early seventies music for me was it is just stuck in my brain. Oh, man. You know, like when my kids who are now, you know, late 20s, early 30s, go back and listen to the 70s, they're buying albums from the 70s. You know, they're buying those artists. And I have to say, that tells me something that it was still the greatest music in the world. You know, the 80s was a blur. Who cares about the Blondie and, you know, all those people. But... Why was it a blur? It wasn't a blur. For me, it was a blur. Okay, okay. (laughs) A little bit of a blur. But my my kids, but, you know, my, my kids were born in the 90s so 90s yeah me too but the music you know the music is a really big part of night radio i mean it's the it's sort of the soundtrack of the book uh, in a lot of ways and and i think that that's very true for a lot of us you know the music that we grew up with the music that became you know our music during our coming of age years and college years or whatever that music is really you know it's going to sound very hokey but it's true it's sort of the soundtrack of our life Mm -hmm. and it evokes something really meaningful. It totally does. But, you know, you can go around the country, and I'm in Canada, and Fred's in in Montreal as well, um, and you go through the states. And, you know, here we got Q107. It's classic rock all the way, every day, you know, all the stuff that we listen to. And it's it's like one of the most popular radio stations. It's not like, you know, a substation. It's a major radio station. Absolutely. And and they're still playing classic rock. They're not playing, you know. What, what would Miller be, or whatever, but what would be the biggest difference between, let's say, today's music and the, back in the seventies? Like, what do you see? And I know, David, you're you're you know you're deep into music. I mean, what do you see? Why was it so magical? Because it held up. It well, held it up. up. What does that it does mean? hold up? I mean, it, there's no question it holds up. And if you, you know, I mean, I I bring up this. I brought this up a couple of my son who loves metal music. One of my younger sons loves metal music. And, you know, you ask even the people who are uh, of 25 or 30 years old today, you know, what in, you know, great musicians of today and say, you know, who influenced you? And they name the people from the 60s and the 70s. Right. They name Bob Dylan. They name John Lennon. They name Led Zeppelin. So something's there. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, the, the lead true. singer for Rage Against the Machine is a Bob Dylan nut. Yeah. So it's there's something that resonates, and to me, it's the lyrics. But that's me. So. Yeah, you know, they just came out with a new musical, um, <laughs> and it just went out of my head because I was I wanted to talk about it for a minute. But um, James Taylor and and uh, Carol King is a new yes. musical musical about Carol King and her music. And do you know who she is, Fred? No, no, no. No, I know. My daughter-in-law didn't know who she was either. And I'm like, what? You don't know who Carol King is? Yeah. Do you know who James Taylor is? Well, you know Aretha Franklin's uh, you, you Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. Yeah. Uh, that's that's Carol King's music. 
Like her music, so many people play her music, and she's been responsible for so many hit songs. Like unbelievable that they actually just came out with a Broadway musical about her. Hmm. Okay, so okay. Uh, you'll have to look her up. <laughs> look up. Well, look, I'm a, I'm a Michael Jackson nut, so I. You know, I know the, you it's... are. Okay, I know so... you are. But for me, it was you know, I mean, uh, the band. Yeah. You know, CCR, I love CCR. Joni Mitchell. Yep. For sure, the Beatles, the Eagles, Steely Dan. I love Steely Dan. Um, James Taylor. I went to I went to James Taylor Carol King concert. I I interviewed James' sister Kate a couple years ago when I had a music show at the Frankie and Johnny Music Hour, and she invited me to Boston to see to see her and her brother, and it was like the best concert I've ever been to in my life. And I've been to a lot of concerts, but it was just so amazing to go to that. And it was like the, just like the cream on the crop of everything that I've seen, you know. And, and so did you find then with with that sort of sensitivity did you did you find when you read night radio that the the music is what pulled you through it because you sound very connected to that era yeah i the music did i i loved to see what you, what music you were going to come up with for each you know um moment in his life uh especially at the end you know when, when he did the end and i'm not going to give the end away but the music that went with all of that Mm-hmm. Outpour, very interesting, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. But Neil Young was was a big influence on me. I mean, he's Canadian. I was you know twelve, thirteen years old. Uh, Rush was you know my first high school band, and then I moved to Louisville. And the bands that came where I worked, you know, was Bob Seger and Leonard Skinner and Charlie Daniels, and all of those guys played in my bar. I mean, like these were guys <laughs> that you know we hung out yeah. with. Right. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy, crazy. And so, yeah, I mean, you're writing about all these guys. I'm like, yes, yes. The Eagles are like my favorite all time band. You know, They're George Benson. I like Eagles. Yeah. Yeah. I saw George Benson um, in concert in Louisville. I think it was 1974 or three with uh, who, who, who he was with. Um, oh, what's her name? Uh, oh, I just went out of my head. Jackson Brown and sure. uh, and another. Oh, red hair. She's got red hair. Help me out here. Oh, uh, um, with a white streak. Bonnie Ray. <laughs> yeah, Bonnie Ray. Bonnie Ray. Yeah, and I I seen Bonnie like numerous times. But I mean, that was an amazing concert. Crazy, crazy. But hey, cool. uh, in the book, it says that you know Jake dreams of becoming a next great rock and roll radio personality. Did you did you dream that? Oh, I when I first started to get into radio, I I just wanted to you know grow my hair long and play Led Zeppelin on the radio. That's all I wanted to do. Uh, now I don't have any hair, um, uh, but I still listen to Led Zeppelin now and then. Um, but yeah, that's what I wanted to do. My very first job ended up being country radio, believe it or not. And then I went oh. into news and and like documentary work and stuff. Like <laughs> yeah, like like Jake's a little bit. Yeah. So yeah. there are there are some similarities there, and you know. It's it's like, you know, you hear that adage all the time, write what you know. I yeah. think that's to some extent true in fiction. Um, but, you know, there's some things in that book that I didn't know at all that I had to really research okay. uh, about like. this certain parts of the book where, um, you know, when he goes to there's a part in the book where, where uh, Jake kind of goes off the grid and he goes to Memphis and. Right. Uh, he ends up in Oregon during the book mm-hmm. too, yeah. and I've been to those places, but I needed to know a little bit more. I need a little bit more about, you know, the nuances of the town or mm-hmm. things that happen there, or, um, you know, like what flowers bloom in Oregon at what certain right. parts of the town ta- year, and is there really a diner in Coos Bay? Uh, you know, I mean, I need I needed to because I, 
my journalism background kicks in, mm -hmm. and I, there is an element of reality that I feel like I need that I. I did look up Band in Oregon to, just to see if it was there. <laughs> yeah, there's a core. Yeah, Band in yeah, Oregon. Yeah, and the lighthouse is right there. Yeah, too. so yeah. there's a that you know the journalism part of me is trying to fulfill that um, that reality base in there. But yet the story itself, you know, does doesn't uh, is not real. But um, uh, now your again, Facebook page has you playing acoustic guitar. It looks like you're playing in a coffee house or something. Well, actually, I was part of back in May. There's a there's a theater here in Chicago that celebrates Bob Dylan's birthday, oh, and what okay. they do is they ask uh, local musicians and people that they know who play or whatever to choose two Bob Dylan songs and come and play that night. And it's a big celebration. So I got chosen to play that night. What'd you now, play? I, I used to play in a band years ago and I still play, but you know, I'm not, I'm not performance ready. So I needed to, I needed to sort of get up to speed, but, um, yeah, I, you know, I went to that. That's what that picture is from. That's uh, somebody took that photograph. Yeah. And, and what song did you, what songs did you pick? I played, um, uh, boots of Spanish leather. Mm hmm. And uh, which uh, is one of his very early songs, um, just a beautiful lyrical poem, really. And um, the other one was uh, um, uh, now you got me stumped. I can't remember. It was, from, okay. it was from the movie Wonder Boys. It was in the movie Wonder Boys. Oh, the movie Wonder Boys. Um, uh, I can't think of the name of it now, but it was more of a song from like the 90s. Okay. So yeah. yeah, but it was great. It's a, you know we that had must have been awesome. great performances there, and um, it was a fun night. We have a big cake with Bob Dylan's face on it. Oh, so. that's cool. <laughs> did, did, wow. did you learn? Did you learn anything about love? Writing that book, you know what I mean? Oh Just, come on, friend! You... I, I already know everything about love. Don't yeah, you know? of course you do. I of course, of course. <laughs> well, we were yeah, we were going to go back to the car <laughs> to that you know the um the road trip with his sons and talking about love yeah what, what advice did you give I, I the boys i think I, I i think you know love is i mean it's gonna sound terribly philosophical but I, I i think that you know we we never really can know what it is i mean we truly don't i mean really i mean mm -hmm. think about the people in our lives I, I do know that you know through my life uh, i've loved a lot of people for one reason or another and you know either um you know, romantically or not, but I, there are people in my life that have meant something to me and that I've been in love with at that moment in time. And they were right for that moment in time, mm -hmm. but uh, they may not be now, you know? Um, and I think that, that that's, that's yeah. really the, I, I don't think we, I think sometimes our society thinks that uh, there's something wrong with that, maybe, but the, I think that's just real. That's we all change. I mean, we do. Humans change. Well, let me ask you. Let me ask you this then. Like when you had your boys, did something change in you? Like, did you feel a love like you'd never felt oh, before? Yeah, I know that. That's said all the time, but that is absolutely true. It is absolutely true. Is it like an anchor? Like something like okay, you have purpose. Like you know, it it's grounds you. Yeah, it's also, and, and I think I in any road will take you there. I think I I talk about that about how. Oh my God, I'm a father, and I not only have responsibility, but I have, I have control over these lives. Yeah, yeah. that's well. We got to go to. We have to go to a break. I'm sorry. I hate to stop us there because I really want to talk a little bit more about this. It's it's, it's fascinating, and Fred, you're gonna learn something. <laughs> but we're gonna <laughs> come back in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. We're gonna come back, and David Burner's still gonna be here, hopefully, and Fred's oh, yeah. still gonna be here too. Stay tuned. Yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, go to the bathroom. You can do that, and then you can come back.
<laughs> Heck no. We're just getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more will be right back after we pay the bills. In today's business world, a helping hand or idea that doesn't come with an invoice is a treasured find. And if that happens to you, then you need to pay it forward to keep other entrepreneurs from making mistakes or getting a raw deal. It's called Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi. Wednesday mornings at 10, 9 a.m. Central. Josephine is going to have the guests describe their accomplishments, the lessons they've learned, both good and bad, and then sharing those pieces of knowledge as we create a movement of Paying It Forward. For more information about Josephine, her business, and background, you can go to MyMomKnowsBest.com. Josephine Girasi has always been a problem solver. She saw this need and has turned it into a movement. It's Paying It Forward. With tips, tools, and advice, and hard lessons learned, these pieces of knowledge can make a huge difference for you, your business, and others. So join us for Paying It Forward with Josephine Girasi, Wednesday mornings at 10 a.m., 9 a.m. Central, on toginet.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Golf is a good way to supplement your fitness program, but watch out for golf injuries. The most common occur in the low back, elbows, shoulders, hands, and wrists, and are defined as either cumulative from overuse or acute traumatic injuries. The impact and stress of the repetitive motion of the swing is sometimes hard on the muscles and joints. The Mayo Clinic says it's important to consider ways to reduce your risk of golf injuries. They recommend that you warm up first. Be sure to start slowly, work up to your desired level of play. Strengthen your muscles to protect your joints and reduce your risk of injury and build up your endurance. Focus on flexibility and keep your muscles pliable, strong, and flexible. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. If you're a fan of Fitness Minute, like us on Facebook. And we're back. We're still here. I told you we were going to be here. And we're still talking to David. And we were talking on and off air, which is kind of fun. Um, I want to talk about Hogan and Mike. Oh, okay. Yeah, my dogs. My uh, yeah. two, two, At least two of the dogs in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So who, who are they? What kind of dog? <laughs> well, well uh, Hogan is uh, was a, a Wheaton Terrier that we, uh, when I was buried with, uh, that we got with my sons when they were young. So it was kind of like their first dog in our family. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and Hogan was uh, a Wheaton Terrier um, and had that little bit of a terrier sensitivity, which is sort of like I know what's going on and you don't. Right. Um, and then Mike is uh, was my Labrador Retriever. That I had, uh, that I actually bought. Um, let's see, when was it? Just after um, the boys. Well, the boys were probably in middle school, I think. I think, okay. but, yeah. Black or golden? Uh, it was golden. Okay. Yeah, yeah a Labrador Retriever, and it was. Uh, it was, you know, Mike. I love people names for dogs. Yeah, um, they're funny. Yeah, I had a dog named Bob once. Um, and I really want to name a dog Stan someday because <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. So, Are you going to uh, get a new dog? You know, um, we just lost a, a, a dog. We lost Mike about a year ago, and we lost yeah. another dog about four, two or three months ago. So it's a little raw right now, but yeah. I'm pushing for it maybe, maybe. 
<laughs> would you would you be for or against the banning of pit bulls? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I I I'm one of those people who believes pit bulls pit bulls are just fine dogs and choose yeah. Okay. Yay, the one of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah big thing here, big playing. thing here. I'm telling you, in Montreal, it's a huge thing. Yeah. It anyway. is. It is. Oh yeah. So they, they, you know, they, they, yeah. Mike, Mike and Hogan were, you know, stars of the book uh, Hamsters in the Dashboard to some extent. They were both in there. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it, 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 that book was really about trying to get people to understand that, you know, how lives, uh, how, how pets make us feel human. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, some of those stories in that book are, are not I, I tried to write a book that was not terribly overly sentimentalized um more about the you know the sort of rawness i mean there are some mistakes i made with pets in there that are not really pleasant um but it's it's really about how it it makes us feel human and you know mike and will will live forever uh, in those books so yeah you know (laughs) last week we had uh sophie gamet on she's a photographer but she she photographs dogs primarily pit bulls with you know wreaths around their heads and she says i said you're are you a pet photographer she says no i'm a people photographer but i photograph animals and i photograph animals because it teaches me about humanity yeah that's kind of that's exactly the kind of sensitivity i had when yeah it sounds like that yeah exactly yeah i've had pets on and off all my life um you know for one reason or another right now i'm petless but um I just like the connection. Um, I'm not sure exactly what that is. Um, you know, I don't claim to be some, you know, some uh, dog whisperer, but I, I do. I do think that there's some connection. It's totally it's, a connection uh, with dogs. Yeah, strikingly interesting. So, yeah. Hey, for 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 your writing style, do you, are you somebody who creates from the end? You know what I mean? When 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 you create. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, they often say you got to know the end in order, you know, when you start something. Uh, it's an interesting question. Um, I, I know with the fiction, I, I have a um, yeah with fiction. Mm-hmm. With fiction, I think I kind of knew, uh, and I won't try to give it away too much with this book because I hope people will, will will get it and read it. But it's there's a part near the end there, kind of the major major culmination of the story, if you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I did have. That was kind of the first idea. That's kind of where that book came from. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I had to go find how to get there. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. So that was, uh, in fact, I had a, a therapist friend, uh, in, and if people who may have read the book will understand, but there's a part yes. that involves <laughs> therapy in there. And I had a therapist friend and asked her if that kind of thing would actually happen. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, of course it'll never happen. That'll never happen. And I went, well, good. That's probably why I should write about it then, because no one expects it. Yeah. 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 So, so and, was there, was there um, a Lisa and Sarah in your life at the same time? Uh, no, there was no okay. Lisa and there was no Sarah. Um, but there were people like Lisa and Sarah. Well, that's what I meant. I didn't mean yeah. them exactly. Yeah, there, there were people like Lisa. Well, you had two, two you know, women at the same time. You didn't know yeah. which one. Yeah, uh, there was a, there uh, there was someone who was kind of like Elisa, and there was a you know Sarah is very the character is very there's a reason why it's Sarah with an H, uh-huh. uh huh, because that's the biblical Sarah, mm-hmm. and I wanted her to be angelic and faultless, mm-hmm. and she kind of is. Um, so uh, if I had to choose a person or co- you know a combination of people, 
I could I could see who they could be, who that mm-hmm. Sarah could be. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, I think those. I think all characters in fiction are, you know, come from something that we are familiar with. Sure. I mean, making a character out of whole cloth is pretty hard to do. Yeah. 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 So one we of your reviewers. Okay, go, go. I just said one of your reviewers says that you want the main character, Jake, to find his version of happiness just as we all seek our own happiness. How does David Werner find his own happiness? Um, I find it in a lot of ways, really. Um, I'm probably the happiest I've ever been in my life right now. And I think that's there's a couple of things for me. I think it's because I think I really know who I am now. Mm, Um, And and that's not to say that I was lost before, but I I think it takes time to figure out who the hell we are. Um, uh, And then, uh, you know, creatively, which has always been a big part of my life, creating music or creating lyrics or writing or, you know, even journalism creating in a way uh, that's very important to me. I have to be able to express. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been lucky enough lately to get a lot of that expression out there. And that has really done a lot for me. But I have to say that I could not have be nearly as happy as I am without my sons, without my family. I couldn't. Um, I think that those people, you know, ground me, they balance me. Um, and, uh, you know, it's That's a great, just a great testament to, you know, parenting and, and, and to your, children i feel the same way you know yeah. nothing is more enjoyable than when my kids come over and mm-hmm. hang out you know or have a dinner a family dinner or something um it's the most fun it's like more fun than anything for me and, yeah and when you see them be successful in every mm-hmm. facet of that whatever that may mean and be just happy i mean when yeah. they're smiling that is the best thing in the world yeah, so, it is. Yeah. You you interviewed Ted Kennedy, Tiger Woods, and Bill Gates. Tell us about those interviews. Yeah, my journalism career has, has got me in front of a lot of people, and, and I've been fortunate. Um, yeah, I remember interviewing Ted Kennedy when he was running for president back, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jimmy Carter days. And, sure. Um, I remember being very close to him and noticed him shaking. Oh. Uh, he was. He didn't have a drink. Either he needed a drink or he was extremely nervous. I don't oh, know. Okay. He had a he had a he had a very uncomfortable shake to him. He's very I'll tell you, he's very charismatic. Mm-hmm. I mean, a very charismatic man. Why? Um, why? Why? Why was he so charismatic? You felt the presence of some sort of, and greatness is too big of a word, but some sort of um, of a of, 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 of pillar of something there with him, mm-hmm. and it's probably what many people felt with. Jack, Jack and Kennedy mm-hmm. or Bobby Kennedy, there was some, there was something particularly just a, a extremely charismatic about. Well, those. people like Joe a lot too. I mean, I think that there's yeah. it made her just run in their jeans. You know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, Tiger Woods. I interviewed him, and he was actually just getting on tour, um, and uh, you know, he was he was. He wasn't too much different than you would expect him now. He's he's very close to the vest. Okay. He, so yeah. not cocky at all. Oh no, he's he got to pull it out of him. Bill uh-huh. Gates was a hoot though. Um, I bet. Yeah, um, Bill Gates, and this was uh, just before Microsoft got to be just you know out of control, huge. Yeah. Uh, really? but everybody, everybody knew what what he was and who he was, and very interesting man. But I'll tell you what, he, he's he's got a very childlike side to him. When you get him talking about video games. 
Mm-hmm. Really? He turns into a 12-year-old boy. Wow. Really? Yeah, he really does. Yeah, it's wow. very, very, very interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so well, I, don't you think, you know, when you're creative, it, it almost seems like you have to be childlike yeah. because once we become an adult, they take that away from you. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah it, it's, it's terrible to grow up, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is terrible to grow is, up. Is it, is it a choice to grow up? You don't have to grow up. You can. No, I, you know. I hope we all, I hope any, you know, truly you were asking about happiness before. I, I And I think some of this ends up in any road will take you there, too, and, and somewhat in night radio, is that, you know, there's a little bit of, uh, it's interesting that a little bit of uh, our happiness really comes from remaining a little bit of a child, mm-hmm. uh, having the childlike wonder, having, you know, being um, allowing emotions, emotions to really affect us. Um, you know, someone who is I don't think you can find true happiness if you don't allow yourself to laugh and cry. You know, uh, we yeah. were talking about this the other day. My, my dad is ninety three. He's married to a woman, 59, who's mm. gorgeous, and they have the best time, and he never runs out of new things to do or find and, sure. and never gets bored with life. He's always looking forward, and that's you know absolutely fantastic. My husband's turning 60 uh, in two weeks, and you know we're like, what can we do? Like, what can we do? Like, that's new. And, and we're already finding that, well, we've done that, done that, done that. What can we do that's exciting again? Where can we find some new passion? And it, it's... You know, besides the creative process, because he's a, he's a songwriter, too, and I'm a drummer, but, you know, and a writer. But, you know, I want to do other things. And some stuff is, is just like, wow, how does he keep going forward at 90 when at 60 we're fine, kind of feeling like, hmm, mm-hmm. you know, we're, we've done yeah. that, been there, done that. Do you, yeah. Have you found anything like that in your life? Um, you know, I, I've, uh, what, I, what I think I've done is not necessarily found new things, but gone back to things that I've neglected. Okay. Mm, yeah. I like that. Um, like playing guitar more often. Um, um, listening to new music, music that isn't from the 60s and 70s. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm in love with Jason Isbell right now, if you don't know who he is. He is just one of the best lyrical writers right now. He is so good. Um, and he's very of today. So, um, you know, I think going back to some of the old stuff is good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're going to go to a commercial break in, in just a few minutes. Uh, no, less than a minute, I think, here. I want to go back to the revelation when we come back. Okay. <laughs> sure. Yeah, we're going to talk about that. And uh, we got 30 seconds. Okay. So we're going to talk about the revelation. I want to talk about, um, is there a special woman in your life right now? Oh, yes, there is. Very, okay. very special. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about her and why she's oh, I'm sure she loves that. Yeah, I'm sure she does too. <laughs> Who doesn't like? Have you written her a song? I have. Okay. okay yeah, cool. I've written her. I've written her a couple of songs actually. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Perfect. You're very, very intuitive there, Jack. Uh, Frankie. Frankie. Okay. Hold on. You're going to call me Jackie, weren't you? We're going to break. We'll be right back. Getting warmed up. Frankie Sense and more. We'll be right back after we pay the bills. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To lose weight, we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating, and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same, but if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, 
then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. According to Fitness Magazine, the majority of us are getting enough protein. Most nutritionists agree that active women need about half a gram per pound a day or approximately 65 grams for a 130-pound woman. The USDA reports that most of us, even vegetarians, are eating 69 grams of protein daily, so we are good. If you are as active as recommended and exercise for more than an hour, five or more days a week, you should increase your protein intake to 0.75 grams per pound. Eating protein within 30 to 45 minutes after you work out rebuilds and repairs the micro tears in muscle tissue that occurs when you exercise. Taking in protein right after you work out will make you feel less sore the next day and increases your lean muscle mass. I'm Annette Hammond. Okay, and we're back. And David Berner is still with us, and so is Freddie. And I am your host, Frankie Picasso, and you are listening to Frankie Sense and more. David, okay. Tell yeah. us about the songs. Tell us about the songs that you wrote for your special love. Yeah, my, my special love is Leslie. Uh, Leslie? She is, um, I'm very lucky to have found her. I, 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 I know I've told her that, but the world should know that. She has rounded me to the, just, you know, smooth the edges. Um, but, yeah, I wrote, uh, I wrote a song called Under the Moon. Mm-hmm. Um, it was about actually somewhat related to when I first uh, met her and um, about her sort of finding herself at the same time I was finding myself or our new selves, really. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there, there was uh, was that. And um, I remember I remember when I played it for her because she I remember her words exactly. She said, who does this? <laughs> <laughs> you write a song? Write songs for people. I know. Oh, My husband so, wrote me a song, too. It was so oh, sweet. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> because I wrote you, too. I go, well, the first one has my name in it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's funny, though. I was part of a it really – you'll love this story. I um, A couple of years ago, I on a complete lark, I entered a songwriting contest. And, again, it was about returning to what I had once done, you know, mm-hmm. sort of stuff. What we were talking about, yeah. about what makes us happy. And – I entered two songs, and one was I had written about my sons when they were in high school, which is really about a song about, you know, getting through the troubles of growing up. Sure. And the other song was Under the Moon, which I had written for Leslie. And I sent both off to the songwriting competition and never thought anything of it. I mean, it was just a whim. And I get a email that says, you're one of our finalists, and we'd like you to come to the venue and perform the song. Congratulations. But wow. the song that they picked was not hers. Oh, no. <laughs> well, you know what? That's the more personal song, maybe. Yeah. And no, I, both I, right, I, I, I said, you want to you want to drive to Virginia with me and do this? And she said, uh, yeah. yeah. And I said, well, good news and bad news. You know, we're going to go to this mm-hmm. 
not your song. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe you could have got. Well, let me just perform it for you. Maybe you'll like it better than. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was. It was a lot of. It, that was quite a hoot of a, a. You know, that was like going back to my old rock and roll days when I had the chance to do that a few years ago. So yeah. Wow. Hey, you, your book. Just going back to your book. Your book is literary fiction, right? Uh, yeah, night radio. And, uh, we're, we're, we're friends at that. Yeah. Yeah. And were you worried about, like, because so many people struggle with, oh, I need to do genre fiction, like, you know, it has to be in one category. Or were you not worried about that? You were just like, you know, I'm, I'm just going to write what I want to yeah, write. I, and... I just I just write what's in my heart. I mean, I know yeah. that sounds kind of cliche and, and, and all that, but I, I really do. I don't think easier. about that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't think about, oh, I need to write, I need to put vampires in this book to make it sell. I don't think about that. Mm-hmm. Um. I, I just I, that never crosses my mind ever. Um, that probably is you know good and bad. Um, I remember I think it's with, good. with any road will take you there. I had an agent at the time who was pushing the book, and I she kept saying that you know you're getting some great rejections, um, which means the rejections <laughs> were the rejections were very you know like oh this is great really like this but we're not going to do it for this reason. Um, so we finally did you know find a home for it, but it, you know the. I kept saying to her, do I need to put, you know, like magical, whimsical vampires in here to make right. people interested? Because that was the hot thing at the time. Right. And uh, it was a joke, really, because I just I can't. I've had people say to me, hey, you're you know, you really write. Well, why don't you write a good suspense novel? And I'm like, yeah, I'm not interested in suspense novels. So, you know, it's just it's not me. I, yeah, I, I write have, what I write. So have you checked yeah. out the, the show Roadies? Yeah, I, I know the show Roadies. I, I have to be honest with you. I watched it the very first time and could not stand it. Really? Oh, my God. It became my most favorite show. I watched it to the end, and I'm sitting here going, please make more, and they're not going to. I loved it. See, I, I, I found it, um, I'll be very honest with you, I found it to be sort of trivialized and kind of trite to me. And I really had a lot of hopes for um, the Martin Scorsese HBO thing, too. I forget the name of it now. Um, that was done with Mick Jagger. Uh, oh. This, you know, uh, I, you can tell I really liked it because I can't yeah. remember. But, yeah. Um, but I watched the first episode of that and went, okay, I'll give this one or two more, and then I couldn't stand it. I mm. so I, did you watch only one of Roadies? I watched only one of Roadies. See, I, I saw the, the third one and then I went back to the first one. Oh, okay. The, I I really liked it and they had amazing musicians on, and you know, like Jim Jensen and 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 um. I mean, they, they they just had amazing musicians on every show, and, and they played a song, Song of the Day, and it was just, it was great. Oh, my gosh. Go try the second one. Well, maybe I need to go a little deeper into that. I'll tell you what, though, on the same vein, one of my favorite movies of all time is Almost Famous. Yes. Yes. That's, that's D- Danny's favorite movie of all time. Is Almost I Famous. love that movie. I cry, and I and I sing yeah. Tiny Dancer with the people in the bus every time. So Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Same. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I love it. And I, I, I felt so sad that they weren't going to renew it. But I always think that, that shows like that that aren't mainstream, you know, yeah. it's harder. It's harder to sell. Oh, yeah. It. But yeah. I love and it. And I think, yeah. I, I think that's – those are the kind true. I like. I think that's even true for the books that I've written, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, there's a whole genre really of rock and roll books. Yeah, and I and I think to some extent, night radio has an, a certain kind of audience. Real music, it, even you know, like I'm thinking. Do, uh, do you have like a, a creative process? Like, do you walk in the forest every day, or you know, do you have a ritual, something <laughs> that puts you in the mood to create? Uh, 
Not really. Um, I've done writing workshops before where people say, you know, where do you get your inspiration or where's the muse yeah. or, you know, how do you get over writer's block? Well, I, my answer to that is kind of blunt that, you know, there is no such thing as writer's block. Why? It's just you don't want to write. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like. Well, do you make you yourself mean, sit you down you from six to eight it. or something like that? Or do yeah, you... sometimes I've done that. I've done yeah. that. Um, and sometimes I get two paragraphs in. Sometimes I get 1,500 words in. I mean, yeah. but I, I really do believe that, you know, the act of writing, the writing process is about the work. Mm-hmm. It's It really is. It's like going to work out. It's like yes. it's time to go work out. I don't feel like working out, but I'm going to work out. Yeah. yeah. Um, Did you? So. Do you think that, that like the writer's block thing is because oftentimes artists have a, a deadline? Oh, geez. So then they go from their heart or soul to their head because <laughs> yeah. I have a deadline and that's when you cannot create. Under really? That I kind. find it easier to create with a deadline. Yeah. I, oh. I sometimes, Well, I come from a broadcast. Maybe that's a journalism. Yeah, it's a journalism. Yeah, it, is, it is part of that. And my yeah. son, who's a videographer and an editor in Seattle, he works much better under pressure about yeah. that. And when he's got a pressure and deadline, that's when he gets his most creative. So it's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I'm the same way. Um, you don't overthink it when you have a deadline. You're sort of yeah. like, this is it. Yeah. Yeah. You gotta do it. Just gotta write. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. But exactly. I, 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 you know, back to your original question, I, you know, I like to write in coffee shops because I like the noise and the people and the oh, sounds and the coffee. I don't like to be holed up alone in a quiet little place. I, I don't do as well in, the, in that. Interesting. I do, I do better with a little chaos around me. My desk is chaos, but I need the silence. <laughs> <laughs> Where did you go on that road trip? I want to know. Well, we kind of uh, somewhat patterned the um, Kerouac's uh, travels on the road a little bit. Okay. So we went from Chicago along Route 6 through Iowa, uh, across the country to near Salt Lake, um, and then to San Francisco. Spent a couple of days in San Francisco, went down through L.A., then to the Four Corners, down to uh, which one of the most spiritual places I've ever been in my life is Navajo Nation. I, I don't know how you, how you feel or are connected in any way to Native Americans, but yeah, that absolutely. place, there was something about that place that I still physically feel because wow. of me being there. Yeah, it's an amazing, amazing place. Something connected with me there. I, I don't know. It's probably something I need to write about. But then we went from there to um, Santa Fe and then back up to Denver, which is a, uh, one of my, my buddy in the book who's also mm-hmm. in the story, um, lives, and then back to Chicago. So just about 5,000 miles. I love Santa Fe. Denver, I could, yeah. yeah. But Boulder, yeah. I loved yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And Pikes Peak is kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. There's places in, in Colorado that are really neat. But I did that trip. I did very similar. And did you go through the Redwoods into Upper California? Well, not on this particular trip. Oh, not nice. on that one. But I've been to the Redwoods before. Yeah. yeah they're awesome. Yeah. And I've uh, my son lives, as I mentioned, he lives in Seattle. So I've been to Seattle, too, which is uh, one of my – become one of my favorite places. The Northwest, Pacific Northwest is um, pretty amazing. Yeah, I, my daughter just did the trip down to California because she moved there. She's getting engaged, and I said you have to go to Monument Valley. You have to go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, it is. But it, but it, travel it, and place uh, end up being you know very important in a lot of the the books that I've written too, especially night radio. I mean, he goes to Oregon because it's the place I wanted him to be. Mm-hmm. He goes to Memphis because there's something there for him. I love Memphis. So place is really really 
you know, it can be very important in the story, you know, yeah. almost almost as important as the characters. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Do you see, so do lot, you see the place? It. Do you see the place when you, you know what I mean? Do you see it in your head or? Oh, yeah. You, Oh yeah. yeah, but you're not creating it. You have to have the natural. Well, I, I, well it, there's a little bit of both. I have to have a little bit of the of, of of maybe of something that's real. Like there's a scene in Night Radio where they're in a diner in Coos Bay, Oregon. Well, I know Coos Bay, and I know there's a diner there. But did I actually go in that diner and know everything about that diner? Not necessarily. Um, but I have a picture in my head of the two of them sitting in that diner, and it's a corner booth, and I have it in my head, and I know that for sure. Mm-hmm. So. I'm going to stop you guys right there for a minute because we are coming to the end of the show. I want to make sure that we get uh, David's particulars. And I want you guys, if you're listening, go to Amazon.com right now. Check out Any Road Will Take You There. Check out Accidental Lessons. Check out Night Radio, the book that we've been talking about because it is fantastic. And um, also, the, there's a hamster in the dashboard. You can check that one out too. David, your website is? David W. Burner, B E R N E R. Dot com and you can find a lot of things there. There's some news about a book that uh, will be coming out in April uh, of mine called October Song, which is based a little bit on that uh, songwriting competition. Oh, cool. Um, so that's there. But, yeah, it's, I'm real easy to find. Yeah. Have you thought about doing an audio version of that book and you can play the songs? And uh, You know, it's funny. I've just been talking to a friend of mine in the radio industry here in Chicago about turning night radio into audio whether it will be or not i'm not sure but we're we're in a very preliminary discussion about that so that would be fun yeah i think it, it there could make a lot of sense to that so uh yeah we're we're, we're talking about it. i've never done an audio book before never had one produced before but um this might be the one to, that makes a lot of sense would you like to narrate it yourself uh, absolutely I, I think i'm too old sounding for the character jake no no, uh, you're, you're Jake in the in the future. Yeah, your future Jake. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the person I'm thinking about right now has a little more of a, a younger sound. And Jake, you know, half of the book is Jake at you know about 21. So we have to say goodbye to you, David Berner. You know, it was a you're real pleasure. You're our new best uh, friend. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much. Write a review in Amazon you, for me. I will definitely and write a review for you. Don't worry. But thank that. you so much. It's a pleasure talking to you guys. You guys are a lot of fun. Thank awesome. you so much. Thank you, David. Thank you. Bye, friend. Bye-bye, Frankie. Thank you, Karina. Talk to you later. Bye.